Well, good morning, Shiloh. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Nate Wheeler. I am a small group leader uh, here at Shiloh. Uh, it's my pleasure this morning to continue our You Are series and with You Are a Child of God. But first, if you're like me uh, in this uh, interesting time we live in, you're still in bed and you find sermons very hard to listen to. So I would recommend that you play a game if you have a wife, kids, that the first one to doze off gets pinched the hardest. Uh, That way you will hear the entire message uh, today. But I am excited to bring this message to you. Uh, It's very near and dear to my heart, something that I love to talk about. You are a child of God. Before you can really uh, talk about us being a child of God, first let's get a perspective um, of what it feels like to be a parent. Because as a parent... Uh, of many kids, I've experienced on more than one occasion taking a newborn child and holding it in your arms. And you look down on that child and know instantly there is nothing you would not do for this child. There, there's nothing that would keep you from them. There's no danger that you wouldn't face to make sure that they were safe. You look into that little face and know you're going to do everything you can to help that child grow, to be mature, to reach its full potential. And as we talk about being a child of God today, reflect on the way that the Father God thinks of you. In Romans 8, uh, Romans 5, 8, sorry, it says this, But God demonstrated his own love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, there is no love quite like a father's love. We were separated from God as a race through the transgression of sin. We were enemies to the father, foreigners in his land. And he wanted to be part of our lives. He wanted to be able to fellowship and communicate with us. And his love was so great that he sent his only son, to be sacrificed as a way that we might be his children. In John 1.12, it says this, But as many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. See, God didn't stop at just sending his son to die for us, to, to fix the gap between heaven and earth, to conquer sin. No, he did more than that. He said, to those who believe on him, they can be children of God. It's an adoption into a heavenly kingdom, and it's an exchange of what you were for what you can be. And to be adopted into the kingdom of God, it doesn't take lengthy paperwork and lots of finances. It doesn't take a lawyer, and it doesn't, take, um, it doesn't take a lot of time. See, it's pretty easy. If you believe, you will receive. If you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross and rose again on the third day, and believe in that, you will receive the gift. And the gift is that we become children of God. We get wholly adopted into the kingdom of heaven. 
And 1 John 3.1 says this, See how great the father, a father's love has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. What a declaration from the Father. See, in these uncertain times that surround us, in this unrest, in some negativity, if you're on social media, you can hear all sides of every argument known to man. There's so much negativity going around. But God refers to us as His children. Children of the Most High God. And why is that important? Why is that something that matters? Over and over again we see it in Scripture, but let's really highlight why it matters. Because as a dad, like I said before, there's nothing I would not do for my children. There's no length that I wouldn't go to protect them. There's no distance I wouldn't travel to hold them in my arms, to hug them, to reassure them things are going to be okay. See, when my kids get hurt and they cry out, Dad, Daddy, I come running because I'm a good father and I love my kids. And quite frankly, I'm the only one in their life when they say, Dad, that will respond. Because it's my great joy and privilege to be their father. And it's God's great joy and privilege to be your father. To make you a child of God. Mark 10, 13-16 says this. And they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. And he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. See, I think sometimes we forget the perspective the Father wants us to have. I love younger kids. Only mine. I know you guys have heard me say other opposing things before, but my little kids, there is nothing in their eyes I can't do. I am the best superhero that lives. I can build anything. I know about everything. Uh, Whether the story is truth or fiction is up to them. But I am everything in their eyes. And you look into their eyes and you can see it. And what I get out of this story is God wants us to look into his eyes and know that he is God and we are his children. What does that look like? It means when you, when you go to him and ask a question, there is no doubt in your heart that you have the answer. In my family, we tell stories about Jimmy Clinkus. It's, it's a, um, something that my parents did for me and we've carried it on and and um, my parents tell Jimmy Clinkus stories to my kids. Uh, surprisingly enough, they're normally a story with a moral ending, something around what that child did that day. Uh, but 
The interesting part is, is that story to them when they're young is real. <laughs> like Jimmy Clinkus, this little stuffed penguin, he exists. And he is real. And they wouldn't believe any other way. See, when you're a little kid, what comes out of your mouth as a parent, they rely and trust on. And that's how God wants us to rely and trust on him. As little children, to lean on the word of God and just believe what it says. In Romans 8, 12 through 18, I'm going to break this up. I'm going to read this in segments. So if you're reading along, bear with me. Pause when I pause. And we're going to talk about this a little bit. It says this, So then, brethren, we are under, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. See, as we rely on God, as we believe in His Word, as we look to trust Him, we have to put away the things of the past, put away the carnal impulses and the things that lead us astray, the things that go contrary to His Word. If we are children of God, living by His Spirit, we will walk in His ways. Because we are his children. What does that mean? How do, we, how do we apply that to our lives today? Well, if you know me or my father at all, some of you know my father um, from church's past and, and time together with him. And uh, if you call the home phone and either of us answer, you're not sure who you have on the phone. So maybe you do what I do sometimes and you try and like prompt a giggle out of somebody or get them to try and laugh so that you can go, oh, that's their laugh. Well, you still won't know who you have on the phone because like my father, I gesture like him, I laugh like him, and on the phone I definitely sound just like him. See, what God wants of us is to live in his ways, to listen to his voice and be imitators of it. And then we will be children of God. It's not to say that you have to do everything perfect and walk in perfection, for there is grace. But it is to say this, that our heart's desire should be to follow after His Spirit and do His will. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Twice within a very short piece of Scripture, we're reassured that we are sons of God. But it gets deeper and richer than that in this verse. And I love it. See, he doesn't just say that we're sons of God. He says that we are sons of God and we can cry out, Abba, Father. This isn't a term where you would walk into someone's house and jokingly say, hey, Dad, because there's a lot of people that look to my parents as a second set of parents, and they might come in and say, hey, Dad, hey, Mom. But none of them could walk in, save a few, and say, Abba, Father. Because it's like saying, my beloved Father. It's a deep term of endearment. 
You are within the family if you can do that. It is reserved for those who are truly family members. This verse is saying, you are a real child of God. It's not in name only. It's not the fact that you have dressed up to look like him. He's saying, if you have called on my name, and you're led by the Spirit, you have received a spirit of adoption, and you are a true, real child of God, and you can address the Father so. And this is another thing that I love about this verse. It says we've received a spirit of adoption. Now we have five kids, none of which are adopted. And some that are adopted, I know it could be maybe a tense subject for you. But to me, I look at people that are adopted and have had good lives with their adopted families, and I think they're blessed. See, my five kids, it was kind of a roll of a dice. I got what I got. Four girls and one boy, we are lonely. But I got what I got. When you're adopted, somebody came to you and chose you. See, they could have wanted girl or boy. They could have, they could have wanted older or younger. They could have wanted all sorts of different preferences. But they chose you. See, when we have a spirit of adoption, God chose us. He chose us to bring into the royal family. He picked you. And he made you a child of God. See, it's a right of sonship. It's a right of blood to be able to call somebody Abba. And he picked us. To be able to say, I don't just want you as an adopted child. I don't want you as somebody that is part of the family but feels rejected by the family. I want you in the most intimate part of this family. I want you to call me Abba Father. But it gets better as we read on. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him, For I consider the suffering of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We are called children of God. And if children heirs also, he is bringing us up the family chain. See, just like my parents have a lot of kids or or young adults and people that would say, yeah, they were kind of like a second parent to me. And I even know some people that refer to my parents as mom and dad. But not many are heirs to my parents' estate. Very few are. And and what is trying to be reiterated over and over and over again in this verse is that we are heirs. He hasn't just grabbed us and set us in the corner. And when he's gone, no one will love us besides the fact he's never gone. He's saying, you are elevated to be true families of the Most High God. And if you are children of God, no matter what the suffering of this present time is, which this verse just just jumps out to me, no matter what the suffering of this present time is, through all ages, 
Nothing will compare to spending eternity with your Father in heaven. Nothing will compare to that. So whatever we face, whatever frustration and irritation faces us in this day, in this age, we have a hope as children of God. That should help you walk with confidence and integrity, being a light to this world. Luke eleven nine through 13 says this, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish. Will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If then, being evil, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? First and foremost, I have to address the whole snake thing here. We should strike that and put in something else terrible. But snakes are the worst thing on the face of this planet. They all should be smited. Very biblical here, smited. Okay, now moving on to being more serious. Our Father, who is a good Father, says even if you, as fathers, basically know how to keep your kids alive by giving them food, how much more will your Heavenly Father keep you alive? How much more will He do for you? If you're a good father and you're not going to neglect your children, how much more and above and beyond will the Holy Spirit or the Father take care of you by giving you the Holy Spirit who is a helper to you? See, our Father doesn't adopt us, bring us into the kingdom, let us cry, Abba, Father, and then leave us. He says, ask of me and I will send you the Holy Spirit, your helper. He gives good gifts As heirs of the throne of God, we have the ability to approach our Father and intercede and ask for the things that we need. And He will help us. You know, I assimilate a lot of things to my role as a father or the way that I was fathered when I read the Word of God. I had a pretty good upbringing and I hope that my children would say the same And a lot of things make sense to me when I put it in that light. And, you know, there are very few people in this world that I could pick up the phone and say, I need you and I need you now. And they will be there every time. But my father on earth is one of those people. That where if I say, I need you, no, I don't care that you're busy. I really need you right now. I know that my father will show up. There are not a lot of people that you could say that of in this world. And maybe it's not your father, but maybe you have somebody that you know that if you pick up the phone and say, I need help, I need it right now, they'll show up. Well, the father's saying, he knows your needs and he will give you the Holy Spirit. You can rely on him as a good father. That should make us walk in confidence during these uncertain times. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to be sick or healthy. We don't know what we face, but we are children of God. 
You are children of God, and we can walk in confidence knowing that no matter what we face, our Father has our best in mind for us. Philippians 2, 2-15 says this, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as light, as a lights in the world. So this is a crazy time that we live in, and it's a crazy time when Paul was writing this letter to the Philippians. He's saying, hey, when I was around you, you always were obeying, you were always listening to what I was saying, and you were living out what I was saying. But now in my absence, also live out the word of the Lord. And I would say to you that during this time of social distancing and isolation, sometimes it can get hard to think about what is pure and holy and true and just and to do the right thing. But Paul is encouraging the Philippians, do the right thing. Even in my absence, even in the separation from being able to be in the church building with your brothers and sisters, even in the absence of being able to gather together as small groups, even in the absence of seeing your friends or the people that you witness to, in all this absence... Do the right thing. Let God work out your salvation in you. See, He has a plan for us to be the light in the world. And we can do that because we are heirs of a heavenly throne. We are children of God. We know His love. We have it. And we're supposed to walk out In this earth, his love. We're supposed to act like he would act. We're supposed to do like he would do. See, there is no love like a father's love. My wife and I are blessed to have five amazing children, and each one of them, excuse me, each one of them I held moments after they were born. And you look down into that face. And you know there's nothing that I wouldn't do. You are my child, and I will protect you at all costs. I will love you at all costs. But there's one moment as a father that I remember quite well, and that's when our first was born, Eliora. She had some deficiencies in in, um, vitamin K and needed to be under incubator light and some other things. But I spent a few nights with her on the couch because she was just very fussy. And laying there sleeping in between her squawking, I remember thinking 10 plus years ago, a little over 10 years ago, how can I love this little human this much? It's my first experience as a father. If you know me, I love sleep, so to be on the couch not sleeping... Um, is not fun for me. 
But there was no enmity in my heart that I had to do it. There was no disgruntlement. Just holding this little girl, snuggling her close, trying to make her feel better so she can rest. Going, I didn't know that this kind of love existed. And then as I was thinking on that, my heart turned towards the Lord. Is this how he feels about me? Is this how he feels about you? Yeah. The word of God is clear. This is how he feels about us and so much more. And so much more. See, you are a child of God if you have called on the Lord as your Savior. If you've believed in Christ Jesus. You were bought with a price. It was a great price of Christ's blood. And you are a child of God. In this time, I'd encourage you, keep your eyes on the Lord. Walk in victory because we are heirs of Christ and there is nothing that he would not do for us because there's no greater love than the Father's love and we are children of God. Well, Father, I just thank you for our time together this morning. I thank you that you loved us so much you sent your only son not to just save us from our sin, but to make us children of God. Not just children, but dear, beloved children. And Lord, if there's anybody out there that does not know you as their father, I pray that they would just reach out to us via email, Facebook, that they would just let us know if they want to make that commitment, we would love to hear from them. Father, we just ask that you would be with us during this week. Help us to walk with integrity and uprightness, with confidence and boldness, knowing that we are your children and you are our Father. We just thank you and we praise you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.